It's 8 o'clock in the morning and I need to get a sip of my coffee so you can repeat that. So what I couldn't understand is they wasn't leaving us with anything. We wasn't getting the building, wasn't getting nothing. So I immediately got on the phone with uh, Brian, we put our heads together, we, he formed this team, and they're gonna go over all of that with you. But I wanna dispel some rumors before we get into the real facts. I am not a member, I do not sit on the board of Kroger's. <laughs> I do not. I, I, there was nothing more I could do when they said we are taking the building. I don't have, I'm not that powerful. And the city had no other recourse. When Kroger said we're pulling out, they're pulling out. But what our city could do is negotiate. And that's exactly what was done. When, when, uh, when they were notified that Kroger's was going to close, all we could do was say, what's the plan? Let's move forward, and that's what we did. So I need to get all the rumors out the way. The city couldn't control it. They, there was nothing I could have done. Closing stores across their footprint now for the last couple years. 
Uh, and that includes stores that aren't even branded or named Kroger, but that they have an invested interest in. And so they are moving forward with closure plans as they try to right size uh, financially as a company. But what we did know is there is an asset to be had uh, in, on the 72 corridor there, and that stands with the building and the land that Kroger currently sits on. So oftentimes, what most retailers will do is lock down properties. Uh, they will market them for sale or lease, and when doing that, they're not looking to put somebody that they deem as a competitor uh, into that location. So th from the very beginning, we knew we had to work with Kroger to try to get them to do right by Springfield, to do right by our community. And that was donating the building, donating the land, and include uh, the contents. And so if you see on the agenda, it talks about the non-proprietary contents. Those are the contents, the compressors, the coolers, the racks, the shelving, those types of things. We want those to stay with the building not them scrap them out and, and just take them. They're not gonna put them in another store. They're just gonna scrap those, those items. So we wanted those items to stay in the facility. And the key point was not to place any restrictions on the property. Don't prevent Springfield, don't prevent our community of setting our future uh, on that property by placing restrictions on it. And I am, uh, many of you maybe have seen in the news today, that's exactly what's happened. Uh, Kroger uh, did inform after that meeting and working with them back and forth uh, over the course of the weekend, they have informed that they are going to fulfill the city's request and donate the building, donate the property, and the non-proprietary contents of the facility to the community and not place any restrictions on that. And so that is a big win as a community. begins. Secondly, March 4th, they close their doors. We're not going to be able to set somebody up immediately on March 4th. That's just not realistic. It's not, uh, it's not going to happen. So we need to have short-term strategies as well as long-term strategies of how to adjust and deal with the issue that's been created. One of the things that we're working on now as city staff is working with our uh, third-party vendor on our Springfield City Area Transit to offer extended hours uh, and opportunities for people to get food access or access to food uh, locations throughout our community. And we wanted Kroger to provide financial support to help with that in that short term. And so Kroger has committed a contribution of $31,500 to help with that transportation. And so there's going to be more work developed on that. Uh, Logan Cobbs, who you will meet uh, towards the end of the meeting, is working on that issue with, uh, with my staff and other members of the community on building what that layout looks like, what that transportation plan looks like for our community. And so we're excited that we're gonna be able to, to again offer a short-term strategy in terms of transportation. The next one, and you're gonna hear a lot more from Tyra Jackson, the executive director of the food bank here in a few minutes, but they are gonna place more burden and more stress and strain on our food bank. But Tyra, if you know Tyra, Tyra's up for that challenge. She, on Friday of the 31st, stepped up immediately and was starting to talk about the things that the food bank could do to help 
in both the short term and long term in terms of access to food. And so Kroger at this point in time has committed a minimum of $19,500 in additional support to the food bank to support those additional food bank services that Tyra and her team along with the food council are developing. And we hope that that request actually grows. So our request with them started at the 19.5. We're confident that we're gonna get more than that. And so you do know Kroger is one of the largest providers of food product to the food bank. And they're going to continue to step up and do that as well uh, to support the food bank during this time. So those three requests are large requests. And again, I talk about we should celebrate those wins as a community. Those are big, big deals because this does not happen in every community that a Kroger has closed a store in. As, as, yes, I agree. It should happen. And they should do right by Springfield and by our community. But that hasn't always been the corporate mindset and the corporate policy there. They have locked down sites. They have taken equipment. They have not provided the financial support towards transportation options and food bank services in the community. So we're excited that in the face of this storm that we have found the blessing of these items. But now, as I mentioned, we'll celebrate this win, but now it's time to get to work. The real work begins now, and we start to move forward as a community developing those short-term and long-term strategies for our community so that we can move Springfield forward well into the future. <clears throat> With that, I do want to turn it over now to Mayor Warren Copeland and City Commissioner David Estrop, who are going to talk a little bit about the community collaboration that has occurred around this issue. First, I want to make clear that my very first reaction as someone who buys groceries at that store, my wife and I were mad. <laughs> and I think it's not healthy for us to not express our anger at what happened because it is a major hit to the south side of Springfield. And uh, the other thing we, we went over and uh, talked to the people who worked there, you know, they've taken care of us in a whole lot of ways. Um, made available my favorite bread, <laughs> etc. That was a good place to shop, and we will miss it. So I think it helps if the mayor shops there, but it turns out the governor shops there a bit too. So when we got in touch with the governor, he was uh, a little bit angry. Also, called the head of Kroger's and really pushed hard for the first thing on that list, which was that we would get the building and get it in a way that it could be used. So Governor DeWine deserves our appreciation. Uh, Sherrod Brown also got involved, also communicated to Kroger's management, and we are grateful to Sharon for doing that. Our member of Congress, 
Warren Davidson also pitched in. And our local representatives, Bob Hackett, who I think has not been able to get here yet, and Kyle Kaler, uh, were involved in this also and helped uh, encourage the governor to do what he did, although I don't think he needed very much encouragement. <laughs> So we have had a lot of help from a whole lot of folks basically aimed primarily at getting control of that building. But there's a lot more to do and we're going to continue to need the support and help of our community and of the state and maybe even of the federal government. So we will continue to work with those people to get them involved in helping us uh, deal with this problem. Mm -hmm. So on behalf of the people of Springfield, I'm grateful for what they've done. And I think all of us need to continue to stay on the job and try to follow through and get some way for the people of the south side of Springfield who don't have a car like I do to get good groceries. me know I'm pretty plain spoken and very frankly Kroger wouldn't have come to the table if it hadn't been for all of you Absolutely. the phone calls the emails the letters to their CEO people making decision to go other places to shop Kroger doesn't come to the table unless it's in their self-interest and they came to the table in Springfield. So I thank each and every one of you, because if we wouldn't have acted, moving forward together as a community, we wouldn't have any of the results to share with you tonight. I also want to thank a number of organizations, and if you're involved in these organizations, during this time, We've had a lot of conversations with various organizations in this community, and I want you to help me recognize them. I'm going to start with the faith community. So if you're a member of the faith community who has been involved in our meetings, I would ask you to please stand and be recognized by the people here. Please. government. We've had cooperation from the city, the county, the state, the federal government, all kinds of people in government. So if you're involved in government and have been involved in these discussions, I would ask you please to stand and let us recognize you. Our business community has been heavily involved. Mike McDormand, among others, met with Kroger and helped define the terms of what you see tonight. So if you're involved in business and have been involved in the meetings, please stand and let us recognize you.
education, and I want to thank Superintendent Hill and the Board of Education. They're providing this facility free to us tonight for our use. And they've been at the table. Bob, thank you the board. Thank you. And last but not least, some of the most important people here are neighborhood organizations, associations, the Promise Neighborhood, Kona, all the rest. Would you please stand and let us recognize you? some work done but much lies ahead of us and we will move forward together thank you I think Dave pointed out a very important point when he called out uh, just the school district for the use of this building. Many people felt this building was probably lost at some point to our community. And look at the opportunity that we have now that sits before us. We have a track record, we have a history again of finding solutions for the betterment of our community. So many partners came together around this issue uh, the same as we're coming around the Kroger issue here in our corridor on State Route 72. With that, the next speaker tonight. <laughs> We've had incredible support from a variety of nonprofits, not for profits, and I forgot to mention them. They were on my list, I just skipped over them. Would you please rise and let us recognize <laughs> all of you. groups and organizations come together it's oftentimes can be difficult to make sure you mention all of them because we've had so many uh, groups that again that have come together around this issue and I see others that are continuing to be a part of the solution for this issue with the peacekeepers United Way uh, so many different groups that are represented here tonight uh, that are going to be in uh, for the long haul of our community and finding uh, a solution for the future with that, I do want to introduce Tyra Jackson. Tyra is the executive director of the Second Harvest Food Bank. As I mentioned early on, on January 31st, when I was on the phone with Tyra, and she was already strategizing around what the food bank could do uh, to assist the community in this time of need. And with that, I want to ask Tyra to come up and share some of the things that they're talking about in the works, but some of the things that she thinks the food bank can do to step up in both the short term and long term for our community. I've been asked to talk about food access, and as Second Herbs Food Bank, um, we deal with this each and every day. Um, unfortunately, I think more people are now aware of what food insecurity is and how it impacts people so quickly and so profoundly. Um, this is something as a community that we need to rally around. Um, there are people daily. We have over 22,000 people in our area alone 
um, they do not know where the next meal will come from. So when we look at that, we know the impact that the Kroger leaving, the Kroger store leaving will have. It's time for us to rally around and figure out some solutions of what we can do. We have an immediate plan um, as Second Harvest Food Bank, and those who know us um, know that we have mobile pantries, and that is our first response. How can we get food directly to people without them needing to go anywhere or long distance to get it? So we will have an additional eight mobile pantry units um, in the south quad quadrant of Springfield um, starting the 5th. Um, every Thursday, we will have a mobile pantry available at Kroger, what will be the previous Kroger um, parking lot from 10 to 12 o'clock um, on Thursdays, each Thursday of the month. Um, we're partnering with the Sprinkle City Schools and we'll be using their um, school parking lots um, on Tuesdays. Um, and we will have a mobile there from four to 6 p.m. Typically our mobiles run an hour. We understand that we will have more people coming through so we wanted additional hours to let people come through. While we know this will not be the answer for everyone, we want to at least provide some solution for some. And this is a start. But we're open and we're willing to listen to people, to have um, suggestions as to other things that we can do. Today, at one meeting that I was at, we were um, discussing what does a community market look like. It doesn't have to be a bricks and mortar. As we know, a lot of times, bricks and mortar move away. So we have the ability to actually, as Second Artist Food Bank, people don't realize this, we get a lot of food donated to us, but we can purchase food as well. For every dollar that we receive, we're able to provide five meals, five nutritious meals. And it's because we have buying power to purchase food. And so we're looking at plans of purchasing food. So not only people who need to come and their resource is the resource issue is that they don't have money to purchase food, but we'll be able to buy food and provide food to people who can purchase it as well. So we're looking at all of these different models and different ways that we'll be able to reach people and taking food directly to people and not necessarily having them walk still a mile or two to get groceries and then try to find transportation to get it back. Um, people getting upset because you're taking the carts off of the um, off of the premises. So these meetings that we're having, while people are like, oh no, not another meeting, we're actually coming up with solutions. So we want you to be a part of that. So later on today, we'll be talking more about things that we can do. We'll have short meetings um, to sort of involve more people. The other thing that we're doing throughout that whole area, we have member agencies. And I believe I see some people there here that are part of our pantry. Um, network. Um, Zach McPherson, our agency relations manager, has actually been working with them and we expect that we will have an increase of people utilizing the pantries as well. We at Second Harvest Food Bank will make sure that their shelves stay stocked. Um, we're going to be working with them on that as well. Um, and the other thing is, as we have this fuel and we have this fire to want to change and do things, there's ways that you can become involved. So 
when we're done with this, we will have a list of all the pantries um, that are open in the days and times for you to take. You can share it if you don't need it. You can share it with people. We will have our mobile pantry schedule. We'll have copies of that for people out there. And we will also have a sheet for you to sign up for volunteers. So if you want to become involved, there are opportunities to be involved. So we challenge you to put that energy to something to make some of the change that we need in our community. Thank you. Thank you, Tyra. And, and we know as a community there are many organizations that exist that uh, providing food opportunities, providing meals uh, to both children and adults exist, and they're going to be taxed more uh, in terms of the, the burden that's created from the closure of this store. And so I know Tyra and her team are willing to work and uh, get out there with the pantries as well as working on their mobile uh, food locations uh, throughout the southwest and southeast quadrants of our community. Uh, they're going to be there to help ease the burden for not only them, but also the pantries that exist and those other food providers uh, throughout our community. Again, another great example of our community banding together exists uh, with our next speaker. Uh, Ted Vanderroos, the executive director of the Springfield Foundation, has been actively involved. He reached out to me again on Friday, uh, January 31st, when I, I received the call and he started hearing the news. He had reached out. And so the Springfield Foundation has created what's called a Community Food Crisis Action Fund. And with that fund, they have put $25,000 of the foundation's money into it to get it started and are working with community partners and organizations and individuals to continue to grow that fund that can help affect change around the issue of food access that has been created around the So I want to introduce Ted and have Ted come up, and I know he wants to talk a little bit about why the fund, uh, but also how you can be a, a participant in that fund. Thanks, Brian. Uh, yeah, we're, we're a community foundation. We're really involved in, in most things that are going on in the community. And I've been mo uh, monitoring or following along the, um, the food issues that were coming up. And so I saw that it was going to be evident that something needed to be done. So I approached the board and they jumped right on board and said, yeah, sure, we'll go ahead and help set up the fund. So we set up the fund last week. We've also, as Brian was saying, we've, we've seeded it with 25,000. We're already starting to get gifts in today. Uh, the fund is, a, is what we call a pass-through fund, so it's not an endowment. So what that means is all the funds will be spent. Down the road, we might be able to create an endowment, which would be there more permanently, and you only spend the earnings off of it. But at this point, no matter what solution we come up with, or, or no matter which way we go, there's gonna have to be money to help handle some of these situations. So right now, I don't know how the funds are gonna be spent. What I'm gonna do probably is just sit back and see how things are going and see where the money might be needed. The city might be able to come up and, and you know take care of the transportation, or there may be uh, someone who can help with uh, retire at the Second Harvest Food Bank. But there's gonna be a need for money no matter what happens. So that's what the fund's created for. Um, and if someone would like to, to donate, they can go to our website, springfieldfoundation.org, or they can just mail a check into the Springfield Foundation um, 
our address is on our website, or it's 333 North Limestone Street, Suite 201, 450503. And all the gifts that you do give are tax deductible, deductible not that that matters to me to a lot of you, but um, we're just real happy to be involved, and that's why we're here. We're your community foundation, and we're trying to step up to help things out. I'll be hanging around afterwards, too, if anyone wants to uh, ask me more questions. So thanks. Thank you, Ted. So now we want to move into a period of time to allow uh, for some questions from the audience. Uh, again, as Denise kind of properly stated, let's be respectful of each of each other in those questions, and we'll be cognizant of the time too. So we won't just keep continuing uh, to ask questions. We'll spend about the next 15, 20 minutes uh, taking questions if there are any, and, and understand too that again, some of the news is fresh just to us. We've been working uh, around the clock through this past weekend to finalize some of the details with what Kroger's doing uh, to set this up, but know that we have been working uh, as, a, as a community on developing those short-term and long-term strategies. And those will continue to develop over the course of the next week and a half, two weeks before the March 4th uh, and the closure so that we can provide more concrete answers uh, and information to the community. And we will be sending out and uh, spreading the message about transportation options, things that Second Harvest Food Bank uh, is doing, additional opportunities that they are providing to the community. As we proceed with redevelopment options and strategies uh, for the property, uh, and along the corridor, that information will be shared out to the public. Uh, but we are still working on developing uh, those short-term and long-term strategies, but we have a great direction of the way we're heading and where we're going that is gonna help move the community forward and address the issues that are created uh, in, in the food access problem that exists now with Kroger leaving this location. So I have uh, two of my staff members, Shannon Meadows and Jackie Sudoff from Community Development. They have microphones, so if you have a question, uh, please raise your hand and they will get a mic to you. So we have one right here in the middle. Hello, everybody. I'm from Columbus, Ohio. I've been residing here for a while. The suburbs, I lived in um, the area of Romelia. And I noticed that everything is being taken away from the South Side. And I don't think that that's right because we have to think about the older people that walk to the store sometimes. Uh, we were on the transportation staff and they were supposed to run the buses on Saturday so that it could be convenient for people that get off of work at a certain amount of time. Now, the buses stopped running, I think, about 6 o'clock. Okay. So, okay, so there's other people that get off of work um, later than 6 o'clock that cannot make it, you know, get on the bus or to make it to Kroger's. But they knew that if they're in walking distance, they can walk. Okay, now, they were supposed to put the Kroger's out there by Amara State, and that, that fell through. But they could have taken the Kroger's, you know where Family Dollar is, on, um, what is it, South Limestone? They could have put the Kroger's over there, took those small shops and put it over there where the other Kroger's is. There's no reason they took out Aldi's, 
There's no reason for the south side not to have revenue on their side of town. Well, we're going up to the north side, we're going up to the east side, and that's, that's, that's revenue for the people that are wealthy on that side of town. And I heard a comment that I, I was very, very displeased about it. We're all human. We're all supposed to take care of each other. But I heard somebody say, now this was on the radio, oh, we're going to put that in the poor neighborhood. The food bank. We don't need a food bank. We need stores. We need to to think about the people on the south side, not just the north, not the east. It's time to think about the people on this side of town because everybody over here is not poor. They pay their taxes. So, like I said, and then I have a lot of company that comes in from town. We, we, we bring revenue to the hotels all around on the south side of town. And I mean a lot of people, we have an annual fellowship meeting every year. And to, for them to say this side of town is dumpy, uh-uh. Okay, why is it? There's the city, there's the mayor, and I know the mayor has tried because I talked to him. I told him to ask the governor for money to fix this side of town, this side of town up. And then there's no reason why we can't have the best when you all are having the best. And then usually when you don't when you have a side of town that looks like this, it brings our teens down. It brings destruction, drugs. We don't need no food bank. It's fine. Because I, hey, I I feed people. If I know that you're hungry. I will get in my purse and I'll go buy you some food. But as far as this side of town, it needs help. I do just want to address on the Kroger uh, piece as far as trying to get them to A, either invest in their current location or look at building a new store. One of the sites that was looked at was exactly the site that you talked about uh, that was across the street and looking at that. And what you have to balance is the private market decisions. Now we all see retail is changing. Uh, that's not just unique to Springfield. Retail is changing across the country. Um, I hate to say retail is probably not gonna be the same in five to 10 years. And a lot of that's due to our shopping habits and the changing of our shopping habits. So we have to continue to work to remove barriers uh, for that private investment, those retail opportunities. Some of those things are looking at the transportation corridor, which goes beyond just vehicular traffic, but pedestrian uh, access as well and improving that access. Um, because many of you know, I know you feel like you're walking in the travel lane uh, if you're walking on the sidewalk on South Limestone. So those are things that we're currently under design right now uh, for a reworking of that corridor. 
uh, and working with the state of Ohio to actually get safety funds to pump investment into that corridor. So those are things that we are working towards and, and, and I understand uh, the things that you're saying and, and it's balancing that private market and trying to remove the barriers to get them to, to invest in there. And I think we're on the right track of the things that are working along the corridor to get that private investment. Hi, Nikki Brown. Um, so we've been, I'm sorry, Dr. Brown. We've been in conversations with Kroger's before, so I wanted to ask two questions. First question is, what do we have in writing that this will actually happen, that the community will take possession of the property and that they will donate the 50,000 some odd dollars to both the food pantries and to providing transportation and or reduce costs to, because I didn't hear that, reduce costs of delivery groceries, maybe you mentioned that. Yeah, and I can explain that. So that's, that's my first question. My second question is, with the property being given to the community, what does that look like when you say the community? So first question, uh, yes, that was part of what I was working on over the weekend was to get that written confirmation. So they did actually provide confirmation last Thursday afternoon, but we said we wanted it in writing, just as you said, we want to see that in writing uh, because we've been in negotiations and discussions with Kroger in the past. Let's put it on paper. So we did receive that to commit uh, to those things. You mentioned a fourth item or request. One of the items that we did request was uh, to help support financially delivery options. Uh, Kroger obviously has the clip list, but they also have a delivery solution. They are interested in uh, participating financially in that, but they don't control the delivery service. They actually use a uh, third-party provider uh, called UpCard or something like that, Instacart. And so they are working to schedule a meeting between myself, Instacart, and Kroger to talk to them what that looks like because they don't know how that will function, but they are interested in providing that financial support there. As far as your second question, the community, so we have several entities that are propped up that can help uh, with the transfer of property into the community, and so we are engaged in discussions with those community groups um, that can help take the property to transfer and then help us work in the redevelopment aspect of that. So there are entities in the community uh, that are set up to do that, um, and, and that's who we are working with. Yes, examples are like the Community Improvement Corporation or the Clark County Land Bank, entities like that. Springfield Foundation was, a, was an option at one point in time. So it's communities like that. As far as what property this uh, community will get, it is the Kroger building itself and then the parking lot that extends out the south line. Uh, Whitaker's Pharmacy is a separate parcel. There's a parcel just to the south of the Kroger building that has a, uh, a block building on it right now, and then Speedway owns their own parcel. 
So we're right now, the donation is just the Kroger property, the property that Kroger owns. Right. They own property all the way back um, uh, to Discussions with some potential opportunities, nothing concrete, obviously, uh, but that is something one of the strategies is around trying to find if there's another grocery that could go into that facility or in that vicinity. Uh, this is going to be easy. Anthony screwed up on the south side for about 30 years. If you got $31,500 for transportation, are you then going to turn around and charge people to go to? Grocery stores on the other side, there's not one here, or is that money going to be used to facilitate free transportation? Facilitate free transportation. Regulate, you know, saying some of these places 
Yeah, that, that's a, a question. Uh, the local government does not have that option uh, to regulate those. Um, we can certainly look into that, but that is a challenge because food access um, for some might be going to those smaller stores where the prices are higher. So uh, we are cognizant of that. I want to jump up real quick right up there because there's no mic up there. So. by the changes in retail. So, again, we're not going to be argumentative in this. Let's let's have an open dialogue and discussion about it. But that's the problem, is they were not having revenue that could keep the store open. That is why they were closed. Pick up 
what we were able to get from Kroger and build on it. And that is what we need to do. set up in the community for this exact purpose of transferring property. Uh, we're working out those final details. There's due diligence. We want to walk through the building. We want to see the condition the building's in. We want to see exactly what they're going to leave and in there. And is Kroger going to fix it? Is Kroger going to fix it? No, but we want to have an understanding of the community of what we're taking on. So what is the city of Springfield ready to do over and beyond donating to the building? What is the city of Springfield uh, we're willing to put financial means into That's getting somebody, about. yes, exactly, and those are the things we're working on right now. So we want to put financial dollars in the system into finding a solution. Yes. Exactly. Yep. Good evening, everybody. My name is Dorian Hunter, and I just have 
Two quick questions. Very simple. Uh, my first one, um, I wonder what is being done to uh, help the South Side become self-sustainable without relying on corporate entities to provide us basic needs. Um, so that's my first question. My second question is, what is uh, what South Side representation is being involved in these decisions that are going to affect our communities? The first question, I think we need by self-sustaining, so creation beyond just even the reliance on a grocery. Yeah, providing, providing for ourselves. There are groups throughout the uh, community, uh, Sprinkle Promise Neighborhood and others that are working on sustainable solutions. Uh, there's activity around uh, Rocking Horse Center. I just met with them today. They're working on a program for their patients that works in partners with OSU Extension Office to learn how to properly prepare foods. If you have uh, diabetic needs and all that, they'll work with you and teach you how you cook proper food. So there are community groups like that that are forging bonds to develop solutions that are beyond just relying on your traditional private market uh, retailers. Well, I was I was kind of talking more private market type, um, just the city being behind uh, facilitating different ways to get the community involved with generating income for ourselves by providing different things that we can do in the south side of Springfield. Okay, I understand what you're saying. And those are things both our economic development teams in the city, the county, uh, the Community Improvement Corporation, uh, the Chamber of Commerce are working on on a daily basis to do that. SBDC as well, yes, thank you, sorry. And then your second question was the, say that one. Yeah, well, I mean, just one, one I can always attest to, Warren that's involved here, uh, and Warren has been actively involved, Commissioner Joyce Chilton, the Springfield Peacekeepers, uh, Otis Williams, NAACP, a multitude of individuals are on uh, the group, Pastor Ernie Brown, uh, Deacon James Bacon, many have participated in our community leaders involved in these discussions and decisions. So. Well, I would love to see me afterwards and I'd love to get you involved.
years ago, there was conversation about city policy being in place where city planning policies, where you could not build certain things on South Limestone. So has that been addressed? Yeah, that has all been changed. So what you're talking about is the zoning. So again, one of the things we have to look at is what barriers exist for private investment. One of the things was zoning. Zoning was a, a hodgepodge of sorts in that corridor. Uh, I was actively involved at the time in planning and zoning when that happened, but that is exactly removing those barriers. So that barrier has been removed. The transportation corridor, that's another one that we're going to be right now. So yes. All right, my name is David Sandler. I can know one thing. Since the building's been turned over and it's been turned over to, who is probably going to be owning the building? Who's going to own it? The city's been out here. Who's going to own it? We're going to work on a couple, we're working with a couple entities uh, in the community to do that. We have not taken possession of the building yet. They're still operating until March 3rd, and then there's a period of time for the transfer of that property, David. It seems to me that one of the common things in the questions you're asking is the assumption that we are further down the road than we are. We couldn't go further down the road on that building until we got in writing from Kroger that we had the building to deal with. So we don't have that settled yet, but we're going to work on it. Okay, I understand that one, but I'd like to know something else. Since you got the donation of money, and we're all talking about moving to senior citizens, and you have a great deal of money or quite a bit of money, why would you just go buy three new, two or three new, three or three vans, used vans, and have them come pick them up? That way, they could pick the people up that need to be there four and five at a time, and they'll be taking where they want to go, and you'd have some kind of control of it. David, all those things are being worked on right now as strategies. We, you know, the shuttle service is one solution. Looking at uh, dial ride direct service is another solution there. So, have you looked at buying buying a couple vans? We have we have assets in the community that already exist. It would be a waste of that money to purchase additional vehicles when those assets but it's already all exist. Be free. For this shuttle service and stuff, yes, it's going to be free. All right. <laughs> Hi, Hi. No, I have a question. Um, I'm Cynthia Dunlevy uh, with New Carlisle. And my question is that I hear that jobs have been offered to the employees. However, what if the employees don't have the transportation to get where they need to go? Is the city or working with Clark State or other educational entities to make sure that there is proper retraining so that we don't have even more of a deficit and hardship being created as a result of this? Yeah, so that was an exact question that we asked Kroger. Uh, because we are aware that there are some individuals that rely uh, on being able to walk to the store and Kroger said that they were going to uh, work with them on that issue and concern to make sure that they had transportation options. If that falls through, we have many entities in the communities that are willing to step up and work with them uh, on retraining opportunities and other things to assist with them. So we're going to take two more questions. And then we're going to make ourselves available uh, to be able to come up and ask questions. But I do want to move on to the next part because, again, 
that's the most important part is the work that continues on from here. So where's my microphones? Right there. Hi, my name is Moscow Halim. Uh, this is something that uh, I think everyone has touched on, uh, at least in some part. I guess my question is short and simple. Is there a long-term solution to implement a for-profit or a non-profit or some kind of co-shared uh, implementation of a corporation in that new space? Well, ideally along the corridor, there's going to be multiple options that are afforded. One that both brings in a, you know, a, a private grocery chain into that corridor, but also other opportunities, whether that be a community market type setup, like you see that's getting ready to kick off in Dayton and so forth. So I think, again, a long-term solution is not just finding one entity to go in that one location. We need to find multiple solutions for food access in that corridor. And then right there. Come on. Hello. My name is Michael. We can talk afterwards if you don't take the question. I just want to start off by saying, like, I don't know why we're trying to develop and get another store. I'm going to say what I said. Trust me. We don't get anything. We always have to go the hard way. You know? And we need to go out for So we need to find a way to depend on ourselves and stop depending on them. Any store that comes in here. Because any store that can come in can leave. So we would replace the store and the store can come in and do the exact same thing in the store just did us. So let's just find a way to produce by ourselves. So I say I say let's let's get seeds, let's, let's produce cards. You know, let's feed each other, like let's become more of a community. And that would be the best way everybody can get to know each other. We can bond more over producing food and not poisonous food like these stores we carry in the first place. So. I, I completely agree with everything that you've said. Uh, let's take JJ, then Dale. Got it. Yeah, my name is JJ Peck. I just, just want to, uh, first off, I want to thank, thank you guys, guys for sitting up here. Because, because really what's going on is Kroger is not here. They're sitting at the table for us, and Kroger is not here. So we got to somewhat thank them for that. Because if they had not been for everything they have to be out here. So I'm trying to take my appreciation on that. My second thing, my sister was talking about the elderly. So we talked about that 25,000 seat we got. There's a need right there, so for the elderly, we've been in discussion about this. But I just want to thank you once again. I can't say that enough because I know you guys are taking a lot of the back right now because Kroger's don't want to show their face, but you're sitting there. So right now, I just want to thank you for that. If I can say anything, I guess what I would say is I know that we've had many discussions. Whenever the faith based community got together, you guys had people there that were present talking. Whenever something needed to go on on the radio, you guys were there talking. Whenever something was on a podcast, you guys were there talking. So I want to appreciate you for that. But what I want to say most of all is have we found some kind of way for the uh, language barrier? Yeah, those are conversations we continue. So JJ has brought up a great point through this. Uh, that there's some that uh, English is either a second language or English isn't even an option for the language they speak. And so making sure, one, they understand the closure that's about to happen, and then secondly, what the options are for them. So yes, that is a part of the plan, and we'll roll out as we provide additional information to the community. So thank you, JJ. Good evening. Thank you.
Gail Henry. My privilege, my honor to bring Kroger to the table in January of 2014 Amen. to begin the plans for the new Kroger out on Route 72. And I'm really disturbed now that the whole thing's falling through. And now we're at this point. And I've been in my house there on Center Boulevard, four blocks from Kroger for 36 years. And I'm concerned about my property value. Yes. I mean, and everybody on the south side ought to be distressed because there are so many rent-controlled houses and on the rent-controlled properties on the south side. And the one fella talked about gentrification. And I'm afraid that those rent-controlled properties, the rent might go up and the people might have to move. And what's going to happen to the south side. I mean, you know, we got to put a plan in place. It's all about our urban policies to protect the low income folks yes. at this time. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm a little disturbed that we haven't been more out front to find a replacement for Kroger's because, you know, this, this thing was more or less on the horizon. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, I just feel as though we as a community deserve better. And the South Side of Springfield has been suffering for a long time. And you know, I appreciate everything you guys are doing. And we do need some young people involved. Absolutely. So anything you can do to get them involved would be great. But I'd just like to see us come up with a plan that works for the South Side that might help to spur some investment. And uh, I don't know. I think the Springfield Foundation money, you haven't decided yet what that'll be used for, but hopefully in some way or other, it could be used to stop the rents from going up and people moving, uh, you know, moving out because of the rents going up. It's gonna cost too much. It's a serious problem. That's something the city gotta do. Okay, and, and the other thing, this young man hit on it right here. I stopped, stopped at a convenience store on the north side of town. I won't say where it's at. It's on the corner, though. <laughs> <laughs> and I stopped there to get a half, uh, to get a dozen of eggs. You know what they told me it was? Four forty-nine for a dozen of eggs. So I had to go to another store. But that's just a problem that we have. Okay. Thank you. I would like to say something to the city and to the county. I think this is a developmental issue for the Clark County. I think the Clark County commissioners should be involved. I think the city commission should be involved. I think the chamber should be involved. I mean, you you uh, have developed all these uh, 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 industrial parks. I see this as just as important as bringing new industry to this area. So. So you guys have a lot of power. I know for a fact you got eminent domain. So I'd like to see a state-of-the-art store there, not just, we can temporarily, in my opinion, we can temporarily use that facility. But in the end, I want to see a quality uh, supermarket with fresh vegetables, quality food on Miami Town. And 
the reason, and I think the city can use eminent domain to take property if they have to, because it's such a critical development issue, to take property and fund it through bonds or taxation or 1%, whatever. But we ought to have, there's no reason for us with the power that the city and county have that we can't have a really quality store on that end of town that serves everybody in the community here. So, as one of the commissioners who lives on the south side, I want to thank you all for being here and assure you that I am as committed to this as you are. Mm -hmm. But I also want you to understand this meeting occurred just days after we knew if we could That's control right. the property. Sure did. So we couldn't be out there trying to attract people to something we didn't actually own. Okay? Fine. So this is just the beginning of the process. And we need to follow through on that. We're not going to know when we're talking. Just, I'm going to talk and then we're going to go to the groups and talk about doing something. Because that, this, all this talking doesn't get us there. We need to work together to do something. And that's the next step of this process this evening. Breakout.